1 John chapter 5, uh, 1 John chapter 5, uh, if you haven't got your Bible, go ahead and, and, and grab your Bible and, and turn there, please. want you to be able to see these things for yourself in, in your own Bible tonight. Uh, one of the major themes that we've been looking at throughout this book is uh, the various evidences that someone is genuinely saved. And of course, we live in a world today where the need for a book like this one uh, is so very important. There's a lot of people in the world today who have a profession of being saved uh, but lack any evidence in their life uh, whatsoever that that profession is in fact true. And so the Lord has given us a series of evidences, proof that will be visible uh, to some extent in the life of someone who's genuinely saved. And I, I would say tonight that he's done that for at least two reasons. Uh, one would be to encourage the, the person, him or herself, that yes, I'm saved. Uh, I know the Bible shows me how to be saved. We're saved by grace through faith and that not of works. And, you know, I repent of sin and place my faith in Christ. The Bible says that one who does that uh, has eternal life. You have it starting now. That's a wonderful truth. So to be able to open a, a, a book like 1 John and see that there are various spiritual evidences in, in my life, love and so forth, that encourages me that I have in fact been saved. But it's also a help and encouragement to those around us uh, who are now able to look at someone's life and see the evidence and, and to be encouraged. Yes, that person both has a testimony of having placed their faith in Christ, as, as well as a visible te testimony, the witness of biblical evidences to their salvation, uh, genuine biblical proof of the truth that they've been saved. And, and that's a great encouragement to the rest of us as we look upon someone else's life. Now, um, we have to bear in mind that the other side of that coin is also true. Someone who says that they are saved but who lacks any of the evidence that we see here in this book, that is, that's an occasion, that's reason for concern. Uh, someone who says they're saved, but there's no difference, there's, there's no love, there's no ongoing belief, there's no desire or interest in obeying the words of God, uh, that, would be a, that would be a legitimate concern uh, about that person's salvation. I understand people are, are the moment they're born, they're, they're baby Christians, they're baby believers. But over time, uh, there should be uh, increasing evidence, biblical evidence of salvation. You don't get to make up your own proofs. You have to look into uh, a book like 1 John to see what the Lord says is evidence of salvation. And if that's lacking, boy, you do well to step back and say, uh, you know, Lord, I, I, maybe I, I asked Jesus into my heart when I was a child, but I didn't really understand that. I didn't understand what the Lord had done for me, and I didn't have any real concept of repentance and uh, placing my faith in Christ and, and in the blood that he shed for forgiveness of sin. Uh, and so I, I need to step back and be sure I've done that. And, you know, that's, uh, we, don't, <laughs> we don't try to minister questions to people or cause people to doubt their salvation, certainly, but... Uh, if you're someone who has not, has not seen some of the evidences that we see here in, the, in this book, it, it's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate question. On the contrary, if, if, as we've studied through this book, you've said, well, praise God. I, I can see that there's a love for God in my life that didn't used to be there. And, and sure enough, I have a love for brothers and sisters in Christ. And sure enough, there's an ongoing belief that was never there before. Uh, you can say, you know what, those things encourage me. I've been truly, genuinely saved. I don't have to worry about that or wonder about that. I know that I've repented and placed my faith in Christ. And, and sure enough, God has brought forth this evidence in my life. So I'm going to let the Lord minister to me through these words, assurance of my salvation and be encouraged by that and go forward uh, with confidence that uh, I know the way of salvation, the biblical means of salvation, and I know the biblical evidences, the biblical proof, the truth that um, these things are, are evident in my life, and therefore I'm saved. Uh, it's, it's a great thing uh, to be able to say that, of course. And, you know, tonight I would say this also. One of the reasons this book exists is that the Lord knows 
Uh, he foreknew not only who would be saved, right? That's, that's a Bible truth. But he also knew that uh, we would struggle at times to have assurance of our salvation. And so um, the Lord has laid out for us. He's taught us, instructed us what things are proof that add up to assurance for us. And, you know, we've seen a number of things. The ministry of the Holy Spirit ministering this uh, testimony in our hearts that were saved. We've talked several times already tonight about love and the evidence of love and, and belief. Uh, we'll, we'll see these again tonight and just be encouraged uh, all over again, that, that much more. So uh, let's jump in here tonight. I want to I wanna just dive in here, First uh, John 5, uh, verse 1, and, and we'll look at the first dozen or so verses tonight, roughly uh, roughly half of, well, a little bit more maybe than half of the chapter, and uh, find a number of, of encouraging truths here tonight. So look with me here, First uh, John 5, chapter 1, the Bible says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. Now the first part of that verse, not so hard to understand. Uh, the final part might be a little more challenging. Well, let's, let's look at the first part. Uh, we have this, this phrase, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So tonight, if you can say, well, uh, I know that I, 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 the day that I placed my faith in Christ, I obviously believed in him. Uh, I trusted that the gospel was true. I placed my faith. I trusted in Christ and, and what he's done for my salvation to be the basis for my forgiveness uh, before holy God, before God the Father. I know that I did that. I can remember the day that I did that. Uh, and, and sure enough, there's, there's no doubt in my mind. I turned from sin. I turned to Christ. And I put my faith in what he did for me upon the cross, acknowledging my sinfulness and acknowledging that he's the only way, according to Scripture. I did that. Okay, so here you are today, some uh, days, months, years later. Uh, what John is saying here in, in chapter 1, uh, forgive me, chapter 5, verse 1, is that uh, the evidence or the fact of ongoing, the fact of sustained ongoing belief in your heart, in your mind, in your heart, is in fact an evidence of salvation. You know, there's, there's people that, that uh, maybe at some time in the past said that they believe something about Christ. Uh, I believe Jesus, Son of God, he, he died for me, and, you know, I, I, I asked him into my heart. And, you know, that was, that was their evidence or, or their testimony at some time in the past. But now they come to today, and there's no ongoing belief. There's an absence of ongoing belief. There's an absence of continued belief. There's an absence of trust uh, and faith because there's an absence of belief uh, in Christ and, and his identity and, and what he's accomplished for us. Well, someone who uh, at, at today uh, does not continue uh, to believe is someone who lacks this evidence of salvation. Of course, this would be uh, very much a concern. Um, so what we have here in this verse is the simple, it's really a simple idea, I probably overcomplicated it already, uh, the simple idea that continued belief in your heart, an ongoing, continuing belief that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, uh, that the presence of that belief in your heart, in your mind, uh, is intended by God to minister assurance of your salvation uh, to you. And grammatically, we know that that's the way the Lord intended this verse to be understood. Uh, here in, in the English, uh, believeth. You notice, again, that E-T-H ending. Uh, that E-T-H ending usually, typically, normally, uh, translates an underlying uh, verb that has the idea of something that is ongoing, something that is ongoing. Um, so uh, this, this verse is plainly teaching that an ongoing belief or reliance upon, a commitment to, uh, a faith in, a trust in God, uh, a trust that Jesus is the Messiah, uh, that, that the presence of that belief, continued belief, is intended by God to minister assurance to us in our hearts. 
So you do a quick diagnosis right now. Uh, is there that belief in your heart tonight? Do you, do you believe, do you find yourself still believing uh, that Jesus is the Christ, the, the Messiah, uh, the only begotten Son of God who, who was sent by God the Father? Are, do you believe that? If, if you could say yes, uh, I know there's a time that I uh, repented and placed my faith in Christ, and tonight I still believe that, uh, that God intends that to be uh, part of the evidence that he uses to minister assurance of your salvation to you. So be encouraged by that tonight. Be encouraged by that. By the way, um, that also strongly suggests that this ongoing belief is not of us. Uh, it's of the Lord. Uh, this, is, this belief that John is alluding to in verse 1, verse 1, um, is not the way of salvation, but rather a product of salvation. I know we've already said you had to believe in order to be saved, but this ongoing belief after you're saved um, is a product of salvation. It's something that the Lord ministers to us uh, as a blessing uh, for having come to Christ initially by grace through faith, belief. And so tonight we understand that this is of the Lord and you know, we'd do well to stop and say, Lord, thank you. <laughs> thank you for the faith that I placed upon Christ to be saved. Thank you for saving me by grace through that faith. Lord, now that I'm saved, thank you for ministering this ongoing faith, this belief uh, in my heart uh, tonight. It's a great encouragement to me. You stop and, and praise God for that. This belief is a product. It's a product of our salvation. Well, let's continue on. In the second part of verse 1, uh, John goes on and he says, in addition to continued ongoing belief, uh, there's other evidences, uh, other things that will be present and continuing and ongoing. Uh, and, of course, no surprise here if you've been with us through any of these uh, lessons or, or messages is that love is, is an evidence that is reiterated here in the second part of verse 1, uh, love. Uh, and we'll, we'll go through this in a moment, but it's, uh, we'll see that it's, it's vertical love toward God the Father as well as horizontal love toward uh, fellow believers. If tonight you can say that uh, I, I love God the Father and I, I have a love for fellow believers that, you know what, it's just not natural. It didn't used to be there, but now it's there. Uh, if you could say that that is present, uh, that is present, you say, praise God. The Lord has placed that love into me. Uh, he's ministered that love into my spirit so that I can both love him as well as, as fellow believers. So see the second part of the verse here. He says, and, and. Ideas are tightly connected. And everyone that loveth. Now, what are you going to say about that ETH ending? Well, those of us who continue to love, not just people that get charged up in a moment and show a lot of love, and then there's just no interest in God, uh, no interest in, in, in any kind of concern demonstrating love uh, to fellow believers, just none at all. No, if, if there is an ongoing love, and, and I understand there could be varying degrees at, at times for different reasons, but if there is an ongoing love interest in the Lord uh, and in fellow believers, uh, be encouraged tonight. Be encouraged tonight. That has been, um, I'll say again, ministered to us, fruit of the Spirit. This is something that the Holy Spirit, when uh, he came and indwelt us the moment we placed our faith in Christ, and regenerated us and began bringing forth fruit in our lives. It's not us. Uh, it's the Spirit of God uh, working in us to uh, bring forth a variety of fruit, including love, love for God the Father and love for each other. I don't know if I read the, the, the verse. Uh, and everyone that loveth him that begat, him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Let me read the phrase again. Uh, and everyone, so all of us, that loveth him that begat. Well, that's God the Father. Uh, God the Father begat God the, God the Son, his only begotten Son. Um, and then we have this, this second phrase here, 
loveth him also that is begotten of him, begotten of God the Father. Now, uh, let, let me say this. There, there's no question that the first part of, of that phrase, him that begot, that beget, beget, that's God the Father. That's God the Father. That's, that's the Lord. Uh, normally, we understand begat or begotten is used in reference to the incarnation of Christ. Christ is called the only begotten Son. He's God the Son who took on flesh at his incarnation uh, in the womb of, of Mary, his mother. Uh, he's begotten of God the Father literally, physically that way. That's the, that's the typical way that begat or begotten is used in Scripture. Uh, that's the way that it's used with reference to Christ, the Messiah, God the Son. However, and I think we skip over this sometimes, um, the phrase is also used in a spiritual sense. So it's used in a physical sense regarding Christ, but it's also used in a spiritual sense regarding believers. So God the Father sent his only begotten Son. Uh, his Son took on flesh so that we could be uh, begotten spiritually, spiritually reborn, born again, uh, begotten spiritually uh, through our, by grace through faith in Christ. Um, now, you may be saying, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. I've always thought as the word begotten is being more of a strictly physical thing. And that is the, really the primary sense that it's used, at least with reference to the begottenness of Christ. Uh, but um, we have a variety of passages in the New Testament uh, where the, the word, the same word, is used in reference to our spiritual rebirth. For example, for example, in Philemon 10, uh, in Philemon 10, uh, Paul writes, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Now, you understand Paul had no part in the physical coming, uh, in, in um, Onesimus coming into physical existence, to being born physically. Uh, however, uh, Paul evidently was used by the Lord to share the gospel with Onesimus, and as a result, Onesimus was saved. He was born again. Uh, he was spiritually begotten. Uh, that's the sense in which Paul uses uh, the word in Philemon 10. And then in 1 Peter 1 and verse 3, make a note of this, please. Write these verses down, please. Uh, in 1 Peter 1 and verse 3, Peter writes, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, praise God for that, which according to his abundant mercy, now see this, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, how? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ, from the dead. Well, what, what is Peter saying there? He's, he's saying that we believers have been spiritually begotten, uh, born again, and that that has been made possible. Uh, he emphasizes the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Of course, he had to come. Christ had to be begotten physically, come as a man, uh, grow up, die on the cross, uh, thereby paying the price for our sin, was buried, rose again on the third day, his resurrection, as he prophesied, uh, proving, uh, proving that God the Father was indeed satisfied by the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice of his only begotten son. We can be spiritually begotten because Christ was begotten physically, came, died, was buried, and rose again. So it's important tonight to make uh, to make it clear, <laughs> sorry, uh, that the word is used in these two different ways in Scripture. With that understanding, you can go back to the second part of verse 1 and, and, and read it and understand it plainly. Uh, John writes, Everyone that loveth him that begat, God the Father begat his only begotten Son, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Uh, we are born again in the Lord or of the Lord because of the way of salvation that the Lord has um, provided to us. In that sense, I'm begotten of or by the Lord. Now, that helps us understand 
who it is that's being talked about in this verse. Uh, everyone that loveth the Lord and who loveth the ones who the Lord has saved. Uh, that uh, continuing interest or ability to do that, to love both the Lord and other believers, that is an evidence of salvation. So everything that we've said uh, is intended to bring us back to that point, the simple point. And it really is, you know, with the understanding that we have now, a simple point. If tonight you can say, I, I have this sustained, ongoing love. It may not be a perfect love. I understand that. You're still growing. Uh, you have not yet grown up to complete spiritual maturity. But if there is... Uh, even that little newly germinated love interest in fellow believers and in the Lord. Uh, be encouraged tonight, that's not of you, that is of the Lord, and the Lord intends for that to be a witness to you that you're saved. Uh, you're saved. Now, of course, you have to be able to say, yes, there's been a time again that I placed my faith in Christ, I repented of sin, I placed my faith in Christ. Okay. Did I genuinely do that? Well, uh, if you have an ongoing belief uh, in Christ, uh, the Messiah, you're born of God, uh, what else should witness that same uh, evidence, that same proof to me? Well, if you have an, an ongoing and implied growing interest uh, in demonstrating love both to the Lord uh, and to those that are begotten of him, fellow believers, be encouraged tonight. Be encouraged tonight. That is the Lord enabling you to do that. Praise him for that uh, for a lot of reasons. But here in this context tonight, the reason, the primary reason in this context uh, is that it's for the purpose of ministering to us uh, assurance, uh, assurance that we are, in fact, saved. And boy, um, whenever we struggle, whenever we struggle with that, just come on back to 1 John. Come on back to 1 John and, and let the Lord minister assurance to you. And, uh, you know, someone who's not saved, of course, needs to come back here and, and, and be uh, dealt with by the Lord. Hey, you, you made a, a sloppy profession. You didn't really understand what you were doing. Uh, there was no repentance. You didn't really understand the cross or why the cross or that you were a sinner. And, and there's no evidences. Well, someone else can be brought here and, and um, these verses, these passages in 1 John can be used to uh, shed light upon the, the person's genuine spiritual condition, their spiritual state, their status before the Lord. Is there evidence here or is there not? Uh, and we can either be assured of salvation or assured that we need to get saved. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. And no doubt this is the Lord's intention uh, as we look at these passages. Well, let's go on. Uh, that, that's a lot to say about one verse. Well, let's go on and look at the next couple of verses uh, verses 2 and 3, you know, they're a little bit challenging. And verse 2 especially, you have to kind of wrestle through it uh, and chew on it and consider it, kind of read it forward and then look at it, kind of come at it backwards and, and, and try to understand exactly uh, what the Lord is saying. Let me begin by saying that the verses 2 and 3, I'll say it this way, wonderfully connects loving um, other believers to loving God as well as to keeping his commandments. These ideas are very tightly bound together. They're, they're wed together uh, really inseparably in verses 2 and 3. Love of God, love for each other, and obedience to the Lord. Now, separately, those three things, uh, separately, are individual evidences of our salvation. Loving the Lord, loving other believers and an interest and ability uh, to obey the Lord as, as a New Testament believer, to obey those things the Lord calls us to in the New Testament. The ability to do that is of God, and it is an evidence of salvation. Uh, verses 2 and 3 uh, communicate that those three things, while they are individual evidences, are tightly and uh, basically inextricably uh, connected together. These, these things are so closely tied together that they will always be present if someone is truly, genuinely saved. Uh, one thing enables the other. We'll see as well. Look at verse 2. Uh, verse 2 says this, By this we know. 
Um, okay, well, by what? Well, we're going to see that in the, in the next part. By this, we know that we love the children of God. So end of verse 2 was talking about our love of those whom the Lord has begotten. We're going to understand that as, as believers, as believers. By this, we know that we love the children of God. By the way, the first phrase of verse 2 adds context to the end of verse 1 and makes it that much more clear that we're understanding the second or the very final part of verse 1 correctly. You might think, well, I believe that's probably referring to Christ, not to other believers. Well, we have the context of verse 2 uh, to help us understand that, no, he's really talking about other believers. Love the Lord and, and love other believers. Uh, and we, we find this context being established here in verse 2. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God. Interesting. When we love God, we know that we love the children of God, other believers, and, and keep or obey his commandments. Verse 3 says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. We have an interest in obeying the Lord. Uh, we find an ability to obey him. I understand we don't obey him perfectly, but we can. Uh, having been saved, uh, we can obey him uh, when we choose to and seek his grace uh, to aid us in doing so. Uh, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. We don't find it a grievous, troublesome thing to obey the Lord. We have an interest in obeying him. Uh, and we could, we could say a lot about that interest. Uh, certainly there ought to be a gratitude in our hearts for our salvation uh, and a desire to demonstrate that gratitude by loving the Lord, by obeying him. Uh, th that would be... Um, how the Bible describes a biblical love of God. I'll be reminded tonight uh, in chapter 2 and verse 5, the Bible says, But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Uh, an interest in obeying the Lord and a growing ability to do that uh, is an evidence of salvation. I want to read verses 2 and 3 again. Is that okay? Uh, verse 2 says, by this, no, uh, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Uh, how can you put this all together? How can you construct a, an understanding of these two verses? In my notes, I've written this. Uh, to properly love God's people, you must have a biblical love of God, which is demonstrated to him through our obedience. Uh, to have a proper love of God's people requires a proper biblical love of God, which is demonstrated through our obedience to him. Again, I would say tonight that those three things, love of the Father, love of the people, and obedience to God are separate, they're separate uh, evidences of salvation. Be encouraged by all of them tonight if you're saved. But also understand that there is um, in this verse really a synergy, uh, a synergistic relationship between those three things. Uh, one requires the other. One feeds off of the other. To love God is to obey him. Uh, to love the children of God is to obey him. Uh, if you love the Lord, that's an evidence of salvation. Uh, but because you're saved, you have the ability to love brothers and sisters in Christ that you're commanded to do. Um, and so you see here that there's, um, there's much more that could be said, but uh, we, we, we can at least begin to understand the, the interconnectedness and the relationship of these three ideas. Um, they are inextricably linked together. Uh, they are individual evidences of our salvation, uh, and they combine together to form a very positive, proof positive uh, of our salvation. Come down to verse 4, if you will. We see here this idea, again, the ability to obey the Lord's command to love, it is of the Lord. You can say, well, I, I have... You know, I have a will to do that. I have strength to do that. I can, I can muster up the will, the desire, and the ability uh, to love the way God 
uh, commands me to. Well, I'll say this. A lost person can muster up an interest in other people and demonstrate a brotherly love to other people. You know, a lost person could see a need that someone has and say, you know what, I'm going to show that person some brotherly love and I'm, I'm going to go and meet that need. They, they could muster up an interest, uh, just kind of a, a heart, maybe even to some degree, uh, I was going to say a head, and maybe even to some degree a heart interest in doing that. But if they're not saved, the uh, interest and ability to demonstrate love is not supernatural. It's completely natural. Uh, a, a natural well or pool of love will run dry, but a supernatural one that is available to believers because it's God, it's the Holy Spirit working in us and through us, that well of love, if you will, it never runs dry because the Holy Spirit does not change. He continues his ministry to us um, over time. He doesn't change. Uh, his presence in our life doesn't change. I understand the filling, uh, the enablement of the Spirit of God will, uh, I think we could say biblically, be in proportion to our yieldedness uh, to the Spirit. I, I think that would be uh, a reasonably biblical statement, um, at least implied by Scripture. But the ability to continue to love, to loveth, uh, to loveth beyond our natural human uh, reserve or ability, that is of God. It is completely of God and um, is in evidence. Look here in verse 4. He says, for whatsoever, uh, understand that word there is being used in the sense of whosoever. Uh, yes, people here are being called, are being called what's, but uh, for the translators in 1611, this wouldn't have been that awkward. Uh, they, they used the word with the understanding that it's referring to people, whosoever. So, you know, make a note of that in your Bible. For whatsoever or whosoever uh, is born of God, uh, saved. Whoever is saved, whoever is born of God, overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, uh, comma, even our faith, uh, even our faith. Well, this is, this is an interesting verse. It's, it's a wonderful verse. There's a couple things here we need to tease out, make sure we understand. So, um, for whosoever is born of God, uh, and then something else. So here again is the suggestion of an evidence of salvation. Uh, for whosoever is born of God overcometh. Uh, the word overcometh here has the idea of gaining victory over something. When, when you overcome a bad habit, you gain victory over that bad habit. You put off a bad habit, uh, and you put on a good habit in its place. By the way, if you try to break a bad habit uh, without understanding what the Lord would have you to put on in its place, you're going to have a hard time truly forsaking, truly leaving behind uh, that bad habit. If you're trying to uh, put off uh, unhealthy, worldly music, don't step away from music. Put on good, godly, biblical music in its place. If you're trying to put off a habit of reading uh, smutty romance novels, uh, you can do that with God's strength, but put on reading the Word of God in its place. Uh, put off bad, uh, wicked, uh, sinful things, but put on something spiritual in its place. Uh, you'll find that this put off, put on, put on, put off principle uh, is, is really key uh, to, to um, spiritual growth. It's absolutely key. Uh, to our spiritual growth. Verse 4 again, but uh, for whatsoever or whosoever is born of God overcometh, uh, ETH ending, uh, finds a victory and retains that victory, doesn't give up ground over time, uh, finds and, and retains a victory over what? Over the world, uh, worldliness and temptation to disobedience. At the end of, well, in verse 3 there, we saw we demonstrate love to the Lord by obeying him. I understand that there is a constant temptation because we live here in this world, and of course we still have that old sin nature together with a new, a new nature in Christ, but we have that old nature, we have our old lusts that we're at war with, and you place that into the context of this world, uh, which is what? Just that, very worldly. 
Uh, it encourages lust and lustful thinking and lustful actions and lustful habits. Um, that there, of course, then, is, is a great tendency to uh, obey our lusts rather than obeying the Lord. However, verse 4, and this is wonderfully encouraging, verse 4 teaches us that whosoever is saved, born of God, uh, overcometh, finds, uh, and keeps a victory over the world, worldliness and temptation to disobedience. The verse says, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, and, and here's the key. Uh, it's, it's set apart here at the end of the verse. Uh, the key to this is even our what? What does it say there? Our faith, faith. Uh, faith is the victory. We sing that song, right? It's, it's a wonderful song. It's, uh, it's a wonderful truth. Listen, someone who is genuinely saved has been saved by grace through what? Faith, uh, faith. Uh, that's, that's how you're saved. You repented and you placed your faith upon cross and Lord exercised grace toward us and, and saved us. We didn't deserve that. It's been earned for us by Christ, that, that grace in that sense. Uh, you're saved. Um, and all of these evidences begin to pour into our life, including... Uh, including our ability to demonstrate love to the Lord through our obedience. We find and retain, we gain and keep a victory over worldliness, over a temptation to disobedience, um, and we do that in large part through an ongoing faith that just like um, belief and love are of the Lord, uh, faith is a fruit of the Spirit as well. The faith that is key to retaining a victory over sin and sinfulness is of the Lord. It's of the Lord. You don't have to, as we said tonight, again, you don't have to drum that up in yourself. Um, it is a blessing of the Lord that we get with the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God, uh, just, just as um, love is, is a blessing, a fruit, uh, faith is as well. And this, is, this is a wonderful truth. Uh, you, you have, as a saved person, faith that is required to uh, attain and retain the victory over worldliness, uh, temptation to sin, uh, and habit of sin. That's a fact. Understand tonight, uh, the Bible is clear that, that this is a fact. Well, uh, I've had the privilege this semester to teach, as, as you know, Hebrews um, up at New England Baptist College. It's been a great blessing. It's been a, a good time of study for me, and I've enjoyed the teaching, and uh, it's been uh, enjoy. It's been, <laughs> it's, it's been um, rewarding. There's the word I'm trying to get to. Rewarding to see uh, young people learn and, and grow and uh, begin to apply these things to their lives. But of course, uh, we need to do the same thing. We, we need to do the same thing. In, in the book of Hebrews, we have in, in Hebrews 11, uh, that wonderful catalog of faithful people, that so-called hall of faith uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. And it is just that. It's, it's a catalog of faithful people. Why does it appear there in the book of Hebrews? Well, it's written first to those first century believers um, who came out of Judaism. Uh, and they were struggling, uh, no doubt, with all types of pressure, uh, all sorts of pressure to go back into Judaism, to set aside their uh, interest, their faith in Christ, and to fall back into the, the Judaism that was the faith of their family for centuries and uh, very often would have been key to their status in the community, um, uh, social standing, and, and so forth. It, it was... It, they, they, they lost much uh, in terms of those things when they came to Christ, but boy, they gained so much more, uh, so much more than they lost uh, when they came to Christ. Uh, in any event, that, that hall of faith, that catalog of faithful Jewish believers in, in Hebrews 11 uh, serves the purpose of demonstrating uh, to those first century converts and to us living today, that it is possible uh, to know faith in Christ and faith from Christ uh, to remain faithful to Christ. 
uh, as believers, we have faith from the Lord that enables us to remain faithful to the Lord. Uh, we can, in the face of great difficulty, remain faithful to him because he makes that possible. We don't make that possible ourselves. The Lord himself makes it possible uh, for us to exercise faithfulness. Well, faithfulness is obedience. Uh, obedience to the Lord is to be faithful to the Lord. To be faithful to the Lord is to be obedient to those things that he, he requests of us in his word, our manner of living, our, uh, our manner of serving, how we live, uh, how we walk uh, close with him, or I mean, all the things that, that we find in the New Testament. Um, consider, for example, in Hebrews 11, uh, Moses. Uh, Moses, of course, is a great example of faith. Moses, um, he forsook the Pharaoh's family, the, the court of the Pharaoh, and all the things that uh, he had come to know, all of the plenty, uh, all, all of the trappings of wealth and position uh, that were made available to him as someone who had been adopted into Pharaoh's family at a young age, uh, he had become accustomed to. Uh, and yet he knew that he was called of God to separate from those people uh, and those things uh, and, and return to uh, his people who were serving as slaves at that time and uh, having very little. Uh, and Moses had to make a decision. Would I, would I be faithful to the Lord and, uh, and, and, and depart uh, Pharaoh's family and, and return to my family, uh, the people of God? What, what would be the crisis of faith there? Well, crisis of faith would be, uh, will God take care of me if I do that? Will I have what I need if I depart this place of plenty uh, and, and go over here and, uh, and be with these people who are slaves to those who have so much? Uh, would God be able to meet his needs? And uh, this, this would indeed be a crisis or a test of faith. And uh, Moses exercised faith in the Lord. Uh, that, no doubt, was from the Lord that if he would be faithful, if he would be obedient, God would be faithful to him and meet his needs. And so he departed, uh, he forsook the family of Pharaoh uh, and returned to his people. And of course, God met his needs. Uh, by faith, Moses also forsook Egypt, right? The whole country in, in the Exodus. Uh, they marched out of a place where all of their needs had been met uh, and marched into the wilderness where they would be absolutely, totally dependent upon a God uh, to meet their needs. Uh, by faith, Moses led the people out to do that. By faith, the people uh, were obedient to follow God and, and Moses, the man of God, in doing that. Uh, faith and obedience are inextricably linked in Scripture. Uh, you can obey the Lord when you exercise uh, faith from the Lord. Sometimes you just have to take a deep breath and step back and say, Lord, um, I, I'm choosing intellectually to yield to you, uh, and so that requires me to obey you, and so I'm going to need you to give me faith, to give me faith to marry to that decision uh, that um, if I obey you, you'll be faithful to me. God has never let us down. We talked about that briefly this morning. God just doesn't let his people down. He's made promises to us. He keeps those promises, not always the way we want, not always the way we desire, but he remains absolutely faithful to keep his promises in the way that he knows, uh, he knows is best. Uh, by faith, Moses and the people observed the Passover. Uh, they trusted that if they would take the blood of the sacrifice and strike it up on the doorpost that uh, when, when the spirit passed over, uh, that uh, they'd be protected, they, they'd be saved. And of course, that's one of the clearest pictures of the cross and the gospel uh, anywhere in the Old Testament. And so Moses uh, is a great example of obedience uh, being enabled, empowered by a faith that is in fact supplied to us uh, from the Lord. Lord, thank you tonight for uh, the faith that you gave me uh, first to place on the cross for salvation, to place on, on Christ and what he accomplished at the cross for my salvation. And Lord, thank you for continuing to minister faith in my heart uh, to be obedient to you, to be obedient to you. Uh, don't doubt for a second tonight that the Lord can do that for you. Why do I say that? Well, 
Uh, if, if you can say tonight that the Lord gave you faith to place on the cross for your salvation, isn't it reasonable tonight to say the same God who enabled you to make that decision, the same God, if, if he says that faith will be available to you uh, to live obediently to him throughout your Christian life, that he will, in fact, provide the faith to you that's necessary to live the life to which he's called us. Uh, you've trusted your eternity to that God. Uh, can you not trust him for faith uh, with which to walk from here until we're home to heaven uh, and in his presence? Uh, nothing else makes sense. <laughs> of course we can. Uh, we most certainly can. We most certainly can uh, do that. Uh, and so I encourage you tonight, if you, if you need to step back and say, uh, Lord, um, you know, I've struggled with my salvation, uh, but I, I'm encouraged tonight that, I, I, yes, I, I can see these evidences in my life. There's, uh, there's an ongoing belief. Uh, there's a love for you and an interest in demonstrating love to others. Uh, and, and, Lord, tonight there's, um, there's a desire to obey you. And, and sure enough, uh, although it's, it's not perfect, there's a faith from you. Uh, my faith is not perfect, but there's a faith from you, God, that, that is perfect and is in my heart. I can choose to exercise that uh, and obey you just like Moses did and uh, just like all of those other uh, Old Testament uh, folks did that are cataloged there in Hebrews 11. If you could say that tonight, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not perfect. I'm not 100% mature yet, but you know what? Sure enough, these things are evident in my life. You just be assured tonight. Be assured of your salvation and uh, permit me to encourage you to take a moment, stop, and thank God. Thank him for your salvation, and thank him for all these wonderful evidences that he's ministered to us uh, through his word and into our hearts, into our lives, uh, to encourage us. If you're someone tonight who would say, you know, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure I see any of this in my life. Well, maybe you have some business to do with the Lord, but uh, don't... Uh, don't be distressed, just do that business. Uh, permit me to encourage you to go to the Lord and say, you know, uh, Father, I'm not sure that I've ever been saved. Uh, maybe you're not a member of the church. Maybe you're watching us online. Maybe you are a member of the church. I don't know. Uh, but if, if you're concerned tonight, just I would encourage you to just go to the Lord and say, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm just not sure. I don't, I, don't, um, I don't sense the Holy Spirit is ministering assurance to me. I don't see these practical evidences in my life. I, Lord, I want to get this right. And so I, I come to you tonight acknowledging I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. The Bible says Jesus is the only, the only such Savior. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Um, Lord, I, I come to you tonight um, as best I can turning from sin or turning from the intention to continue disobeying you and uh, turning to Christ and placing my faith in him to be my Savior, to be the basis for my uh, forgiveness, the forgiveness of my sin. Um, that is the only way that someone is saved biblically. And I thank, I'm thankful tonight that it's, it's not a hard thing. It's not hard to understand. It's not hard to do. Um, sometimes people say, well, I'm, I'm not sure I want to do that. I'm not sure that I'm ready to live a Christian life. Um, Permit me tonight to encourage you to come to Christ for salvation and at the same time ask him to change your heart, <laughs> ask him to change your desires, uh, ask him to give you a genuine interest in living for him and uh, demonstrating love to him by obeying him. Uh, ask him to grow your faith that he will give you faith to obey him and grace uh, that is required to serve him and obey him. Uh, that he will give you grace to love him and to love brothers and sisters in Christ uh, and to obey him in every way that he calls us to. Once you're saved, God, God does that. <laughs> These, this, passage, this passage makes that clear. Uh, once you're saved, if you'll just come to the Lord for salvation and trust him to change your heart, change your life, change your mind, change your interests and to give you everything that you need to live the life that he's called you to, he'll do just that. He'll do just that. Let's stop there tonight and pray. Father, I thank you tonight, Lord, for working in my life, uh, in my heart. Lord, you've changed my interests. 
and you've given me uh, a heart uh, to love you and a heart to love brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, you've given me a desire to obey you, and certainly I confess tonight that I don't always do that uh, as perfectly as I should, and sometimes I, I fall quite far from the mark. Lord, I thank you tonight that when I do, I meet your mercy and grace and the blood of my Savior uh, anew. And I'm thankful, Lord, I thank you tonight that when I came to Christ, all of my sins, past, present, and future, came under the blood and were removed as far as the east is from the west. Lord, I'm thankful for that tonight. Father, I thank you tonight that, um, that you work in our lives to um, enable us to begin loving you and continue loving you. And you enable us to begin loving brothers and sisters in Christ and to continue doing so. And Lord, you enable us to find an interest in obeying you and grace to do just that. And Lord, yes, you give the faith that is required uh, to grow in obedience. Uh, Lord, I understand tonight um, obeying you uh, is really almost always, almost always requires a faith in you. And I thank you tonight we find that faith from you. Lord, I pray tonight for anyone who is struggling to obey you. Lord, I pray tonight they would simply come and, as a believer and confess the sin of disobedience. And Lord, ask you for, for the faith that may be required to obey, if that's an issue. And Lord, that they'd ask you for the grace, the strength that's required uh, to obey. Lord, knowing that the blessings of obedience are so much better, so much better than the chastening that disobedience invites. Lord, I thank you tonight that we can have faith in you. You're a faithful God, and you're faithful to enable our own faith. Lord, I thank you for that tonight. Lord, I, I continue to marvel at the truth that just as we are not, we had nothing to do with making our salvation possible, Lord, we have little to do with making possible um, a right walk with you. You made it possible for us to be saved. We only had to choose to be saved, to choose to receive the gift that you offered. Lord, you make it possible similarly for us to live and grow and obey you you make it possible. Yes, we still have to choose, choose to yield and obey, but you make that possible. Lord, I thank you for that tonight. Father, I thank you tonight for these thy words. I thank you for uh, John's example of faithfulness to you uh, in obediently capturing down these words. Lord, I thank you for preserving them for us to this day. Lord, we need them. We, we're, we desperately need these words. And so, Father, I thank you so much for them. Lord, I pray the things we've seen tonight would not soon be forgotten, that uh, the Holy Spirit would remind us of these things when we most need them. Lord, that they'd be stored up in our hearts uh, for the day that they're needed most. Lord, I thank you tonight for the privilege to open my Bible and to teach your words. I pray that again, Pray again, Lord, we not soon forget the things we've seen. Father, I love you, I thank you, and I pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.